the, the verse that we had talked about on Friday night. Uh, this is in, in James 5.16. It says, uh, confess your faults one to another and pray for one another that you may be healed. Um, you know, of course, we know we can believe God for our own healing, right? And we thank God for that. Uh, but, you know, it does help to pray for each other, right? And um, uh, because especially when you feel bad, you don't feel like doing anything, right? You don't feel like believing God and, and standing in faith and reading the word and praying and those types of things. Uh, and so it's good that we have the ability to join our faith with each other. Amen. And to cause uh, each other be, to be built up in faith. Uh, and uh, I'd encourage you to, you know, just uh, in this time, it seems like uh, uh, there's been a, a big uptick in the COVID-19 cases, you know, around the country. Now, I don't know if it's got to do with whatever the current variant is or just, you know, what, whatever the cause of it is. Don't really know. Don't really care. Uh, but um, I'd encourage you all continue in faith for those that have got COVID or those that are recovering from COVID uh, because, uh, you know, God can restore. And, and, um, <coughs> uh, and, you know, if you've had COVID or you know people that had COVID, uh, always encourage them that, uh, you know, it's not because they're terrible people and, you know, God's getting them or, you know, sometimes we have those thoughts, well, you know, God must be punishing me and God didn't bring COVID into the world. You know, he didn't create COVID. There's no COVID in heaven, right? So he's not, he's not creating that. Um, and so uh, help people to make sure that they don't uh, uh, double up on it, right? Because you get COVID and then you get the guilt that you feel like you're guilty of COVID or you, and then it makes it twice as bad. So, um, you know, it's the COVID's in the world because COVID's in the world. Amen. And uh, whether it came from a Chinese lab or not, I don't know. Uh, but um, it doesn't really matter. It's still of the devil, and, and uh, God can heal us from that. Amen. Uh, and so um, I think we've got just a couple of announcements. So I said we had a prayer service Friday night, and then, of course, next Sunday will be our church meal. And, um, and then after the church meal, we'll have our little uh, uh, white elephant get-together. So if you want to stay for that, of course, uh, we just have a good time doing that as a church family. And then uh, bring a, a $5 gift <coughs> and... Um, uh, and uh, you uh, and make sure you pray up before the 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 thing there, so you're walking in love, right? And and don't get mad if somebody takes your present from you, right? So I wanted that more than anything. Well, you know, uh, in fact, uh, <laughs> I tell you, uh, one year I ended up with something, and uh, <clears throat> I think it was uh, uh, it was like this peanut butter M and M's. You know, those peanut butter. You know, they got chocolate M and M's. They got peanut butter M and M's. You know, the peanut butter M and M's are pretty good if you've never had them. You know. Uh, and so I'm thinking, you know, that's pretty good. I, you know, I'm a big fan of peanut M&M's. So, you know, I had them back in a sound booth under lock and key there. And, uh, and someone came back uh, and said, uh, hey, um, I, I like yours more than mine. So, uh, so I just swapped out and just took yours. And didn't ask. He just took mine and walked out the door with it, you know. And <laughs> well, you know, all right, praise God. We're not going to get mad about it. It's just a bag of candy. But, you know, uh, just uh, uh, maybe they skipped all the kindergarten. I don't know. Were you supposed, weren't you supposed to learn in kindergarten not take something that belongs to somebody else, you know? Uh, and so maybe they skipped that particular day in kindergarten. I don't know. But uh, uh, so <laughs> we're not mad at anybody. But uh, it's a pretty funny story anyway, in it, you know. <laughs> Who does that, right? <laughs> and so anyway, so that'll be next uh, next Sunday. And um, uh, we'll be here for that. And then, um, of course, uh, two weeks from yesterday is Christmas, right? So um, um, I hope everybody gets to get together with their family and enjoy time together. Amen. And um, uh, and so uh, also uh, uh, Jerry is not here today. He wasn't feeling well, so I'll be praying for uh, for him uh, for full recovery. And um, 
Uh, also, uh, Tom Flightman, if you know Tom Flight, um, he'd had some surgery on um, uh, an artery there. So that he had, uh, 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 I guess it was probably about a week and a half ago now. So uh, he's recovering at home now for that. So, um, but, um, uh, but I encourage you, you know, as the Lord, uh, you know, as you spend time in prayer, the Lord will bring to you remembrance certain people. Uh, and always pray for, you know, when you're praying for healing for somebody, of course, anytime you're praying for somebody else, you know, there, there is a limit in the sense that uh, their will can get involved in that, right? And so, uh, but if you don't know, you know, if the Lord doesn't give you anything in particular about the pray, you always pray 100% best for them, right? So if the Lord doesn't tell you what to do as far as, hey, you can't pray for this, you can't pray for that, then you always pray that the, that the Spirit of God in them will rise up and, and cause their bodies to be healed and to be well, amen? And so you always pray you know, you pray, Lord, if it's your will or anything uh, like that, you always pray, Lord, 100% healing, 100% recovery, uh, and, um, uh, and then you leave it at that, amen? And so I always pray, uh, no matter who I'm praying for, I always pray for 100% recovery, amen, uh, and 100% healing. Uh, and so, uh, so any, any other announcements then? Yeah, sign up. Oh, and it's going to be like finger foods, right? So, uh, so uh, if you want to sign up for the, on the, back table there that way we don't get uh, uh five servings of beanie weenies right or whatever finger foods are and so uh help yourself to that there and of course uh, uh we did have uh, uh johnny and nancy's uh anniversary was the first of the month right so um all right well let's stand and greet each other for just a minute we'll get into praise and worship in this time and season to remind ourselves of you coming into the earth father it was such a great plan you spent centuries, Father, planning it, working it out. You said in your word, in the fullness of time, Father, you came into the earth. So Lord, we thank you for spending the time and the effort to redeem mankind, Father, from our sin, and sickness and disease and poverty and lack. You paid such a great price, Father. It all started in a small place, in a small town, Father country. Father, we thank you. Thank you, Father, for loving the earth. You said for God so loved the whole world that you sent your only begotten Son. So, Father, because of your great love, you sent your Son into the earth in a fashion that was limited as men were limited, Father in one place at one time and you laid aside all the glory of heaven to come to the earth and Father who does that except for a great and loving and kind God who gives up all that they have to benefit somebody else and even to die for people Father people that didn't even love you people that crucified you Father you died for the very folks very hands that placed you on the cross. And Father, to, to know that love, let us understand, Father, more about what motivated you. Father, we ask you for revelation to really understand the love that motivated you to do all that you did, Father, for us. It was such a great and mighty work, Father. Now our eternal destiny is set with you because of that act. So, Father, we thank you 
thank you for the goodness of it, Father, the kindness of it. And Father, we praise you. We thank you for it, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, praise God. Is the Lord good? You know, it's, uh, uh, I always think it's interesting about the Lord, you know, the way that he came to the earth. Um, you know, if it had been me or somebody else, you know, we might have made a big parade and, and had a big uh, powwow and, and uh, a big announcement, you know. We'd have put it on Facebook and Instagram and everything, you know, hey, I've arrived, I'm here to save the whole world. And, you know, he went to the, I mean, backwaters of the earth and uh, not even a, in a, proper place in a uh, we know the story you know he was born in a in a manger and um uh and so uh and nobody uh nobody of any real consequence knew that he had arrived right uh, the, the shepherds knew and the angels knew and a few folks here and there knew but there was no kings and uh you know the roman empire didn't know that he had arrived and uh you know Whoever was in North America didn't know that he arrived. No, nobody in China knew that he arrived. Uh, it's amazing, you know, that he did that. And he spent, uh, you know, I've spent a, a lot of time studying on the plan of redemption and how much work he put into it because, you know, men, men fell in Genesis chapter 3. And from Genesis chapter 3, for the entire Old Testament, thousands of years, he was planning the act of redemption, the, the, the work of redemption. He put together a plan, and, and of course, it took centuries to fulfill that plan. And, and you know, I was meditating on that one time. You know, why, Lord, why don't you just do it in Genesis chapter 4? It seems like, I mean, we fell in Genesis chapter 3. Send Jesus in Genesis chapter 4 and be done with it. But uh, the problem with, with that, and of course, we're not going to go into all, all, all of the plan for redemption, but he needed mankind to get involved. And as soon as mankind gets involved, everything slows down, right? And he created the entire universe in seven days. But it took him thousands of years to, to redeem mankind because he needed people to be involved, right? He needed to find an Abraham. Well, it took him centuries to find an Abraham. Uh, and then after Abraham, then he needed a, to have a Mary. It took him centuries to find a Mary. And so, uh, and he had to lay the groundwork for all the, all the laws there in the Old Testament. That didn't happen until Moses came around. Uh, and then the prophecies, he had to lay the groundwork for the prophecies to make sure that when he came, that nobody could argue that he wasn't really the Christ, even though it's amazing to me that, that the Jewish nation were the carriers uh, of the oracles of God, the protectors of the oracles of God. They were the ones who developed the oracles of God and the prophecies of the Lord God, and they don't even believe in him. It's, it's crazy. It's like, well, you all have known this for thousands of years. You can go through the prophecies and find the prophecies of the Messiah, and you'd have to come to the same conclusion that everybody else did, that Jesus was the Messiah, and yet he said, I don't know how I don't know how you don't come up to that conclusion. Right. I mean, you read the prophecies and he fulfilled all the prophecies. Uh, and um, uh, and so uh, I'm not mad at anybody, but you, uh, I guess it's not any different than today. You know, in the Christian church, uh, there's still doctrines of healing that's well documented, hundreds of scriptures of healing. And yet how many people in the church don't believe in God's healing power? You know, there's people still don't believe that. And yet that's been around for at least 2000 years. But if you go all the way back to Moses, you know, when he first declared that the Lord was our healer, right? I am the Lord that healeth thee. You're talking about 4,000 years that that's been around that verse, and yet uh, how many in the church don't believe it? So I guess, you know, the church isn't off the hook any more than the, the Jewish nation is. But, um, uh, but, you know, you think about the work that the Lord put, that the, the work that the Lord put into the plan of redemption in the thousands of years and the, 
the thousands and tens of thousands of people that he had to get orchestrated to, to, you know, it's amazing it ever made it, you know. I mean, you go back and read the Old Testament stories and people were crazy and do crazy things, did crazy things. And it's amazing that the, the nation of Israel survived long enough to, to uh, allow the plan of redemption to, co- to, to come to uh, fruition. And it did, right? I mean, the Lord did it. Uh, he made it work. And, uh, and we, we thank God for that. Amen. Uh, and uh, he started, uh, Brother Hagin always said that he starts slow and ends up big. And that's kind of the way the Lord did, right? He started kind of slow and quiet you know, there in Bethlehem. Uh, but he ended in a big way, right? Received up into heaven. And so we thank the Lord for all of that work. Amen. Uh, and so, uh, well, let's open up our Bibles to the book of, of, of Mark there. You know, there's still a few things I wanted to, to, to teach on in the area of the anointing. I think it's uh, um, an area that the church has not had enough teaching on because uh, we as the church are the carriers of the anointing and the power of God, right? You have the spirit of God in you. And you are the carrier. So if you're if you have the spirit of God in you, then you are the carrier of the anointing of God, which is really just the manifest power of God. And all Christians have an anointing and there's different anointings. There's different anointings through different things. Remember what Jesus said in, in uh, Luke chapter four, uh, verse 18, that the, the spirit of God is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. And he gave a list of things, right? The deliverance of the captives, uh, sight to the blind. Uh, but notice it wasn't at all encompassing. So nowhere did, did the Lord say that the Spirit of God has anointed me to sing, for example. And we have no, no stories where Jesus was singing that I know of, you know. Uh, and and uh, that doesn't mean he couldn't sing necessarily, uh, but he was never anointed to sing. You know, I mean, a lot of people can sing, but then you've got people that are anointed to sing, right? A lot of people can teach, but then you have people that are anointed to teach. Uh, and so, uh, so the anointings are, are, are upon our lives to do good uh, to those around us. And primarily the anointing of God that's upon our life, if you go to John chapter 7, remember Jesus said that out of your belly shall flow rivers of living water. And it said this he spake he about the Holy Spirit, which is yet to come. Uh, and so the anointing that's upon your life uh, is there to flow out of you to be a blessing to those around you. Uh, and that is available to all Christians, right? Uh, and we know that God will use certain people in special ways Remember in Acts chapter 19, uh, the Bible says that how uh, God wrought special miracles by the hands of Paul. I mean, you know, you think about it, a miracle, just a regular miracle is pretty special, right? But then he, he had special miracles by the hands of Paul. And it doesn't really go into what those, what those specific uh, special miracles were. Uh, but, it, but it does imply that there's different levels of anointing. There's different uh, uses of the anointing that God will place upon people's lives. And we know, according to First uh, Corinthians chapter 12, where it talks about the, the nine gifts of the spirit, nine manifestations of the spirit. Uh, the Bible says that uh, he he uh, delivers these to. Uh, in fact, I think it'd be good just to, to read that verse there. Uh, because uh, sometimes people think that if I'm, I'm anointed to do one thing, I'm anointed to do everything. Uh, and that's where we get into trouble sometimes. Uh, but he says, you know, after he, he gives um, uh, the list of the nine gifts of the spirit and we won't go through all of those but the nine gifts of the spirits are really the manifestation of the anointing of god and notice this was to the church this is not to just the ministry gifts right it's not just the apostle prophet evangelist pastor teacher all of the church has the ability to operate in these gifts uh, but he says at the end of that after the the uh, the nine gifts are listed there in verse 11 he says 
But all of these work at that one and the self-same spirit, dividing to every man severally or individually as what? He will. He will. So, so specifically, the anointing of God that's upon your life uh, is there by the will of God. And, and how he chooses to do that, how much he chooses to provide to you, uh, is entirely up to him. So our, our responsibility is to yield to that anointing when it's there uh, and, uh, and then work with the Spirit of God. Remember, that the, in fact, uh, let's, let's read our verse there in Mark chapter 16. It says in verse 19, So then after the Lord had spoken the, unto them, so he just gave the great commission, he was received up into heaven and sat on the right hand of God, and they went forth. Uh, so all the disciples went forth and preached everywhere, the Lord working with them, and confirming the word with signs following. So uh, that's what we're supposed to do. We're supposed to work with the Holy Spirit. Amen. We're supposed to work with him. So in our individual lives as Christians, we have the ability to, uh, when we pray for somebody, to work with the Lord. And really, you should always, uh, anytime you're, you're working in the gospel, so to speak, whether you're witnessing to somebody or talking to somebody about the Lord or praying for somebody, you should always have the acknowledgement in your own heart that I'm doing this with the Lord, that I'm in partnership with the Lord. If I'm praying for somebody, I'm praying for them with the Lord. We are working together because can you actually cause anybody to get healed? Can you cause anybody to get well? Can you cause anybody to be you? You don't have any power in it of yourself. So, uh, but a lot of times the church has an attitude of, well, we're just going to do this we're going to do whatever mechanics that the Lord tells us to do, lay hands on somebody, you know, if you, if you even believe in that. And then if the Lord wants to do something, then he will. Uh, and there's really not an awareness that we're working together with him. We need to have an awareness that we work, are working with, with him, because that's what he says, right? That we're working, that the Lord works with us. So uh, because we are spirit beings, we need to be aware of that and, uh, and then learn how to yield to that. So it's not that God is up in heaven you know, far, far away, and, you know, if he wants to do something, you know, he will, and much of the church kind of feels like God is kind of uh, hands off, and, you know, sometimes he'll, he'll bother himself to come down and help us, but, you know, for the most part, for the most part, we don't want to really annoy him by asking him for things, so we just kind of leave him alone, and a lot of the church kind of has that mentality that God is far, far away, and yet uh, uh, Jesus right there said that uh, he's working with us, amen? So you ever work with somebody, but you, uh, you ever been in a situation where you're working with somebody, but you have no idea where they're at? Yeah. I mean, is that even is that even possible? I mean, sometimes it's possible, right? Hey, hey you know, you were, uh, I know when I was in college, my, my least favorite classes were the team project classes, right? Because you're supposed to be working with somebody and they won't show up. Uh, and, and uh, you know, uh, that, that, that's always the worst, right? You always, you know, because uh, you never got to pick your team. If you got to pick your team, it'd be okay. But, you know, you know the professor, hey, you two work together. I don't want to work with them because, you know, they're not going to show up. Uh, and so you, uh, they were supposed to do the work, but they never did. Uh, but the, the Spirit of God's not that way. He works with us, amen? And so I just want to look at a few verses here that, that will uh, help us to remember that. Let's turn over to, uh, uh, we'll just go through a verses here. And, and you probably know most of these verses, but I think in the context of this, it'll help us uh, to remember this. In John, in First John chapter four, uh, he says, "Here, uh, ye are of God, little children, and have overcome them." So, overcome them. He's talking about the things that we've overcome, or in the previous verses, he talked about the Antichrist. Uh, we know what the word Christ means. Everybody knows what the word Christ means. 
uh, well, it, it, it's, it's, it's actually the Messiah, right? The word Christ and Messiah are, are um, from the same word, but it also means the anointed one. Uh, and so when it's the Antichrist, what does that mean? It's anti-anointed one, right? Uh, so it's against the anointing. It's specifically against the anointing, right? Uh, how many people in the church are against the anointing? You ever, you ever met people in a church? What they don't realize, you know, and we're not mad at anybody, but what they don't realize is they are yielding to the spirit of the Antichrist. You know, the Antichrist spirit is in the earth, right? The, the, the spirit of the Antichrist is here to stop the move of God because the move of God causes people to be born again. The, the move of God causes people to be healed and be delivered and raised from the dead. Uh, you know, if the church was doing nothing supernaturally, the devil wouldn't be concerned about anything. He wouldn't be concerned about the church, but because the church has the capacity to do supernatural things, the devil does everything he can to stop that. That's why, why do you think uh, Pentecostal churches get such a bad rap? Other than because sometimes we do stupid things. But, uh, but, just, uh, but because we move in the spirit, a lot of the church looks down upon the Pentecostal church. Oh, you all just, you know, running around the church, you know, swinging from chandeliers. And, you know, you praying like, you know, God hears you. And what's wrong with you? You know, God speaks to you. And, uh, and, and well, yeah, he doesn't, you know. I'm concerned if, some, if a Christian tells them, well, God never speaks to them. It's like, are you, maybe you should get saved. I don't know. You know, I mean, I, uh, the Lord speaks to all of us. Amen. Uh, in fact, he says he would speak to us, right? Uh, he would lead us and guide us in, in, uh, into all things, into all truth, and show us things to come. Uh, and so, so uh, much of the church is uh, against the move of God. And they don't even realize that they're yielding to, now they're not, they're not going to die and go to hell. They're not you know, going to miss heaven because of that. Uh, but they don't realize that they're yielding to the spirit of the Antichrist, the spirit of that which is against the anointing of God. Uh, and, and you think about that. Uh, that just puts a whole bunch of the church in, in a bad light, doesn't it, right? Well, I'm, again, I'm, don't get mad at anybody because they're that way. They don't know. Uh, but, but a lot of church, uh, a lot of the church gets really uncomfortable. You ever notice that when, they get, when the spirit of God moves, they get really uncomfortable. Well, why is that? Well, they're so used to just having an intellectual church where, where we just give information in a book report, like Brother Randy says, he, uh, he calls it a book report, uh, where it's just, you're just intellectual, right? No move of God, no praying for the sick, uh, n nothing, no, no prophecies or no word of the Lord or anything like that. Uh, and then when they get into the presence of the real spirit of God, they get uncomfortable because they don't know how to, they don't know how to work with that. And I can understand why they get uncomfortable if, they're, if they've only ever been used to being in the church in their flesh. Uh, but, you know, I, I remember when I got saved, I got saved. I never been to church. I didn't go to church. didn't know anything about church. got saved, but I got saved in a spirit-filled church. And I was as comfortable as I could be. It just, just felt right at home. Spirit God moving, you know, people laying uh, hands on people, prophesying, you know, singing in the spirit, whatever it was. I just felt right at home. And I've always felt at home in the church. I always felt at home. Never felt uncomfortable in church. And uh, well, I guess it was one time when, when I was in college, I, I was trying to find a church when I first went to school. And I went to uh, this one church. And I really wasn't uncomfortable. But, but um, you know, it was a, I mean, it was, I guess it, it was fine, you know, everything. I went to Sunday school. But I went to Sunday school and the, and the, the Sunday school teacher was out. And so her husband was filling in. And he said, I don't know what any of this stuff is right here. So <laughs> I'm like, well, we're, we're not starting off on the right foot here. You don't know what any of this stuff is? I mean, you're Sunday school, right? I mean, how do you not know these things? Because I didn't know them. Uh, but, um, uh, and then we got to the regular service, and, and, and um, pastor seemed like a, a regular kind of guy, you know. 
Uh, but it's like they rang the bell to start the service, and that was the last breath he took. He screamed for like an hour, you know, red face, you know, spitting cotton everywhere. And, and I really hadn't been in that kind of a service before. Uh, it, uh, and uh, so it wasn't really uncomfortable, but, but I'm, I'm like, I couldn't figure out, is he mad at something? Did somebody do something, you know? Because I didn't know, you know, I was just real young at the time, and, and I was by myself there at the church, you know, trying to find a uh, spirit-filled church to go to. And so, uh, but, um, you know, we should feel comfortable when the Spirit of God moves in the churches, amen? Uh, and... Um, you know, a lot of times people want the Spirit of God to move until he moves. You ever notice that? <laughs> we should always desire the Spirit of God to move. Amen. Uh, and so, but he says here uh, in verse uh, four there, you have God, little children have overcome them. So you overcome all the spirits of the Antichrist there in the flesh, uh, because greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. So where is he? The, where is the greater one right now? He's in you right now, right? So, so how great is the one that's in you right now? Greater than the whole world, right? So what can you not overcome? I mean, if he's greater than you, than he that's in the world, then everywhere you go, he's greater than what's ever around you, right? So, uh, you know, the church needs to have a mentality of victory. We need to have a mentality of when I arrive, victory has arrived. When I arrive, overcoming has arrived, right? That's, that's the attitude we should have as a church, not Oh, I hope we can make it. You know, I don't know if we're going to make it or not. You know, oh, the devil's pretty strong over there. You know, well, if the Lord sent you into that place, you know, now if he didn't send you into that place, you know, you might have to uh, look for the exit really quick. But if he sends you anywhere, then as soon as you've arrived, greater is he that's in you than he that's anywhere else around you. Amen. Amen. And that needs to be the mentality we have. A lot of the church doesn't have that mentality of victory. They have the church of a mentality of, 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 well, you know, you just never know. You just never know. You know, well, you win some, you lose some. Uh, that's not, you know, that's true in, in like, you know, dominoes and, you know, card games, you know, you win some, you lose some, uh, but um, uh, not in, in dealing with things of the world, right? Not yeah. dealing with things of the realm of the spirit. Greater is he that's in you. Yeah. Amen. Uh, do you believe that? Do you know that to be true? See, I know it to be true. Uh, and, and that's, that's, I live that way. I, I think that way. And that's really half the battle is getting your, your, your mind renewed to the fact that greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. Amen. Amen. No matter what comes your way, no matter what sickness, disease, poverty, lack, you know, I mean, all the economic downturns and uh, it doesn't matter. Greater is he that's in you that's in the world. Right. Uh, And be careful about uh, jumping on the bandwagons that the world jumps on a lot of times. I remember uh, this was years ago when Dr. Dufresne was still around uh, and gas prices had spiked at the time. You know, they're going back up. They went way back down. They went back, now they're back up a little bit. But he was at the gas pump just complaining about, you know, I can't believe your gas prices are so high, you know. Uh, and the Lord said, oh, so I'm not your provider? <laughs> and he's like, shut up, by the way. And, and uh, uh, did I stop being your provider because the gas prices went up? Uh, I mean, you know, it does, you know, it does bother me for the folks that don't know the Lord. You know, they don't know how to believe God for finances. They don't know how to believe God for, for income. Uh, and so uh, surely there are people who are who are uh, disadvantaged when the gas price of gas goes up or inflation, you know, whatever, you know. Uh, but to complain about it uh, as if the Lord doesn't provide for you <clears throat> is forgetting that greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. Yeah. And so Dr. Dufresne had to repent, you know, uh, for not being in faith, right? Not believing that God really is his provider. Uh, because sometimes we just, it's easy to jump on the bandwagon like the rest of the world does, right? And, oh, well, you know, 
Uh, I feel bad. Oh, I feel bad too, you know, and uh, a race to the bottom, right? Uh, and so uh, let's turn over to the book of Colossians here. So uh, if you're going to work with the anointing, you've got to remember that the anointing is in you, right? You've got to have an awareness that he is in you. You've got to desire to, to, to uh, believe that he's in you, right? I'm in 1 Corinthians. I don't know where I'm going. We've got to get over Colossians, right? So uh, in Colossians chapter 1, he says in verse 27, To whom God would make known what is the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles. So what is the mystery? which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. So uh, who is in you? Christ is in you, the hope of glory. So that glory lives in you, right? Everywhere you go, that glory is in you. So we, we need to remember that, right? We need to, to have that awareness. Uh, and, and, you know, that, that alone will help you uh, more than you'll ever imagine. If you'll, if you'll always have an awareness that the Spirit of God is with you, there's a whole lot of things that you won't do and a whole lot of things you won't say if you remember, oh, he's with me, right? right. Uh, and and it'll, help you, it'll help you stay in a place where you're not always sinning and repenting, not always having to you know, ask for forgiveness of things that you've done. And we thank God that there's forgiveness for things that you've done, right? So we're not, we're not trying to beat anybody up there. But a lot of the church lives so much in the carnal world and the natural world that they forget that there's a spiritual world there. Uh, and... and um, you know, I was talking uh, to, to a friend of mine in the ministry, and she's a minister. In fact, she uh, uh, travels all over the, the world, in fact. Uh, but um, uh, she was telling me how uh, she had invested some money with some, some pastors, right? Some pastor had said, hey, you know, I've got this great investment, you know, uh, give me some money, I'll invest it. And he stole every uh, thousands of dollars from her. <laughs> uh, can you imagine that, right? A pastor intentionally stealing money from another minister for what for to what end right how's that going to work out how's that going to be good for him or for his church or surely didn't work out for her right uh but um uh you know what's the end game there right see if that pastor really had sensed the spirit of god in him he now i understand things happen but you know with the intention of of uh oh yeah i'm going to take your money i'm never going to give it back to you that was the plan right uh, and, and the thing is, that happened more than once, not with the same person, right? Because, <laughs> I mean, you fool me once, right? Uh, uh, you shouldn't be fooled more than once by the same person. But, uh, but uh, that happened to her more than once. Ministers would steal from her, uh, uh, lie to her, and tell her these things, right? Uh, and so, um, well, who does that, right? Who, what, what, and I know, you know, there are pastors who do that. You know, we know history from... Uh, the history of the healing revivals. Some of those healing evangelists got involved in crazy things, you know, doing crazy things. And yet they would have spectacular miracles, right? Uh, well, if they would, if they would remember that, they, it would keep them on the straight and narrow, right? So the hope of glory lives on the inside of you, amen? Uh, and so, and now we go back over to 1 Corinthians. I was trying to get over 1 Corinthians chapter 3 earlier there. So, um, so one of the, the great advantages of, of uh, reminding yourself and being aware that the spirit of God lives in you is that when he wants to work with you in the area of the anointing uh, and to manifest himself for the benefit of somebody else in your life, then you're more aware of that, right? So if you're aware of the hope of glory living on the inside of you, if you're aware of the greater one that lives on the inside of you, see, then you become aware of these things. And, and, and a lot, a lot of church, we were so, uh, we get so used to the day, the day-to-day -day work that we get up, we fix breakfast, we, you know, get a shower, brush our teeth, 
maybe not in that particular order, right? You know, whatever order you do it in, but you do all those natural things. You go to work, you work eight hours, 10 hours, whatever it is. You go home and you rinse and repeat. Uh, and, and sometimes the, just the mechanics of the natural world uh, causes us to kind of forget that the greater one lives on the inside of us. Amen. Uh, but here we are in 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 3. I, I want to read a couple of uh, verses here. Uh, in chapter 3, he says in verse 16, Know ye not that you are the temple of God and the spirit of God dwelleth in you. Well, is that is that true? It is true, right? So the Spirit of God dwells in you. So he's in you right now. And I know this is kind of an obvious statement. If, if you know anything about the, the word, you know anything about being a Christian, that, it, well, I know he lives on the inside of me. Well, well, the point I want to get across, though, is are you aware that he lives on the inside of you? Do you have a sense that he lives on the inside of you? Do, you? do you long for that presence to be with you where you go, right? You know, for me, just uh, all throughout the day when I'm, you know, if I'm by myself, there's always an awareness of the Spirit of God in my life. There, uh, I'm talking to Him. I'm fellowshipping with Him. I'm honoring Him. I'm worshiping. I tell Him, you know, you're a great God. Just, just going from here to there. Tell Him how wonderful He is. I, I talk with Him. And I'll ask Him questions. Well, Lord, you know, why'd you do this thing this way? You know, uh, a verse will rise up in, in my heart, and I'll start talking about some verse. Well, Lord, you know, uh, I understand that verse there, but, you know, this part of it, I don't really understand what you were doing there, why you were doing that. Uh, there's an awareness of the presence of God because he says that uh, I am the temple of the Holy Spirit. You are the temple of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Uh, And he dwells in you. And the same same extent, uh, turn turn chapter uh, uh, six there. Uh, He says in uh, uh, in verse 19, uh, he says, what? Know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in you, which you have of God and you are not your own? So now this is the deal when you got born again that uh, and, you know, I, I don't think we really uh, instruct people enough when they get born again, what they're really signing up for. Right. Uh, they say, we'll get saved. Right. Well, what does that really mean? You know, and I, and I know it's hard to in the moment give an entire dissertation on what happens during the act of salvation. Uh, but uh, one of the most important things to remind people when they get saved is that now God lives on the inside of them. And their bodies are a temple of the Holy Spirit. Uh, and so, in fact, if you, if you go over and he says that you are not your own. He's going to go to the next verse there. It says, for you are bought with a price. Therefore, glorify your God. Therefore, glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. So he purchased you, right? Remember the whole the, the plan of redemption. The word redeem means to purchase out of, right? Purchase out of the market. Uh, so the Lord purchased you out of the world and and bought you into the church so he paid the price for that right he paid the price to redeem you whatever the cost to to redeem all of your sins and we don't have time to go into all the whole plan of redemption and and the kinsman redeemer and all all of those things but they're great wonderful stories Uh, but he paid a great price for you and when you signed up to be a christian when you said i now confess him as your lord right because you're supposed to do two things to believe that god raised Jesus from the dead and to confess him as your lord According to Romans 10, 9 and 10. So those are the only two things you've got to do to get born again. Well, a lot of people believe that, that God raised Jesus from the dead. Even people that aren't saved believe that, you know, uh, in general, you get some, you know, knuckleheads that, well, I don't believe God ever came to the world, you know, whatever. You know, there's, there's so much historical, natural facts that had occurred. It's, uh, it's uh, shameful for them to not believe that God didn't come to the earth and Jesus didn't come to the earth. But that's another discussion. Uh, but a lot of people believe that. But the second part is really the key, that you confess him as what? 
as Lord. What does that mean? Confess somebody as Lord. What does the word Lord mean? It means masters, you know, uh, that uh, you are his servant, right? Uh, and so when you confess him as your Lord, what you're saying is I choose as an act of my will to declare that somebody else is now in charge of my life. That's kind of a big deal, right? But a lot of Christians don't really think that's much of the deal, right? That, well, I'm going to get saved, I'm going to live however I want to, and then go to heaven, right, and, and repent just before I die. Well, that kind of leaves off the whole point of somebody else is now in charge of your life, right? I mean, if you, if you go get a job and say, well, I'm going to go get a job, and, but I'm not going to do anything my boss tells me to do, uh, how long are you going to be employed? You know, you, uh, you're not going to be very, you know, you show up and the boss says, hey, do this. Well, I, I wasn't planning on doing that today. Is that going to go over very well? No. Yeah, and that's not going to go over very well, right? And so a lot of times people get saved. They get, quote, saved, right? They believe Jesus did, and they confess their sins, even though the Bible doesn't say you've got to confess your sins because what did you do three years on a Thursday night? Well, none of you all know what you did three years ago on a Thursday night, so how are you going to confess all your sins? The Bible doesn't say to get saved, you've got to confess your sins. Now, you can acknowledge that you're a sinner. That's fine, right? It doesn't say that you have to, but it's fine to do that. Um, and so... Uh, but the real key, uh, the linchpin on getting saved is, is now confessing that somebody else is your Lord. And whatever he instructs you to do through his word and by his spirit, you are willing to do. Now, it doesn't mean you're going to be perfect in it. Uh, but your general attitude needs to be, Lord, to the very best of my ability, I will do all that you ask me to do, both in your word and by your spirit. Uh, now, that's really what it means to get saved, right? It is to believe that God raised Jesus from the dead and to confess him that he is now in charge of your life. So uh, a lot of people are still in charge of their own life, right? Well, that's what I wanted to do. That's great. What did Jesus want you to do? Not that, right? Not, not being mean to them, right? Well, I just couldn't help it. I just had to tell them. Well, what did the Lord think about that? Did that walk in love? If it wasn't walking in love, then the Lord didn't tell you to do that. And that means that you, in that moment, decided that somebody else was Lord of your life. Maybe you, maybe your flesh, maybe, you know, whatever the circumstance is. But, you know, how many times does a church exchange... Uh, somebody else for Lord of their life instead of the Lord Jesus. Well, they may be mad. They, they made you mad, really. That's really not technically possible. You chose to get mad, but, you know, nobody actually makes you mad. You choose to get mad, but uh, now if you, say, if you say they made you mad, now they're in charge of your life. So now in that moment, in that instance, they're Lord of your life, right? Are you going to go worship them? Anybody find anybody worthy to be worshipped in the earth? I mean, I've had a lot of people I know that think they're worthy to be worshipped, but I've never actually met anybody who is who is worthy to be worshipped uh, other than the Lord Jesus. And so. So uh, so he 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 purchased you, he paid a great price for you and you allowed that transaction to occur by getting saved. Right. You allowed that transaction for the work that he did. See, just like all the world right now, how many sins uh, did Jesus die for on the cross? All of them. Right. So the sin that that guy over there and we're not pointing anybody in particular, but that guy over there. That he just committed, did Jesus die for that sin? Is it already paid for? It's already paid for, right? So is that guy going to get to go to heaven because of that? No, because he still has to accept that work, right? So that's the, that's the key, right? That's the, that's the missing part that people forget sometimes is, yeah, Jesus paid for all the sins, uh, even for all the lost people. He's paid, there's no sin uh, that people die and go to hell for, right? The church loves to have a list of sins. You're going to die and go to hell for that, but... There's no sins people die and go to hell for because they've all been paid for. Any, any sin not been paid for yet? Any more blood that's got to be shed to pay for any more sins that, that will be committed tomorrow? 
No, they're all been paid for, right? Does that make, I mean, that's true, right? I mean, is Jesus going to come back to the cross anymore, anymore since uh, 2,000 years ago? No. So all sins have been paid for, but uh, we still have to receive what Jesus did for us as an act of our will. So if we don't receive the work that Jesus did for our own sins, then, then unfortunately we're still obligated to pay for our own sins. Even though they've been paid for, but because you don't want to allow somebody else to pay for your sins, then you're responsible for them. So if you die in your sins, where are you going to go? You're going to go to hell. But the, the, only, the only reason why you're dying and going to hell is because of one sin. What's the one sin you're going to die and go to hell for? Not accepting Jesus. Not accepting Jesus. Really, I mean, everything else has already been paid for. So really, you're, just, you're, you're going to hell because you, of one choice, right? Not, not of the thousand things you did wrong, but because you didn't accept Jesus. You accepted Jesus, your whole, whole uh, slate's wiped clean, right? And we know that. Uh, and on occasion, we get in trouble because people think we're teaching heresy. But, I mean, it's, makes pretty sim- it's pretty simple to me, right? Uh, but what happens is people will get the idea that Jesus paid for all the sins and then they extrapolate that and say, well, then nobody's going to go to hell. Well, that's completely wrong doctrine, right? Uh, because uh, he paid for all the sins, but then he laid that, that, that work at our feet to make our own choice. He didn't make anybody receive that work. He did all the work, all the hard work. And he said, now, if you want it, you're welcome to accept that. And it'll be to your advantage to accept that. And if you reject it, which people do every day, then they will miss heaven, won't they, right? So we're not preaching that you get to go to heaven because Jesus died for all your sins. That's, that's crazy talk. Uh, but uh, there are no sins that are, that are outstanding that Jesus has not paid for. No sins that have yet to be committed that, that are outstanding that Jesus has not paid for. Amen? He's paid for all sins, hasn't he? Uh, and so it's a shame uh, that the entire world is one decision away from heaven. They're not, you know, uh, I, I, I'm sure you have too, right? You, you witness somebody get saved. Well, I've got to go straighten up my life first. Well, how's that working out for you, right? You don't know to straighten up your life first. It's no, not, not, not necessary to straighten up your life first. You accept the Lord Jesus and he'll help you straighten up your life. Amen. Uh, and so uh, it, it's, uh, it's a pretty good deal, right? So he purchased us. He redeemed us. He paid a great price for us. Amen. And we need to be aware of that, that we are not really our own. That when we signed on the dotted line, and again, you know, maybe we didn't read the fine print. Maybe we didn't know that the fine print was there. But when we signed on the dotted line, we, as an act of our will, gave up our will to, to one greater than us. Uh, and, if, and that's really one of the greatest things. If you can learn that, if you want to learn how to work with the Spirit of God, you've got to learn that. Because if you, if you live in such a way that, that you get to choose every day what you do, that I'm, I'm the boss. Uh, it's really hard for the Spirit of God to work with you in that because he's always buttoned up against your will, right? He's always, hey, I need you going. I'm not doing that. I, I need you. To, I'm not doing that. I want to, I want to do what I want to do. Uh, and uh, I've had people say things like that, and it just it grieves my heart. Because I want to do what I want to do. Well, that's great, but you'll never know the, the joy of working with the Lord. And he wants to work with you, but, but, but if you reserve the right to make your own decisions every day, uh, and regardless of what the Lord wants you to do, to do, then you will never know what it's like to be led by the Spirit of God. You'll never know what it's like to work with the anointing of God. Uh, and so, uh, and this, this verse is a great one to remind you that, that somebody uh, paid a price for me. And I chose to allow myself to be purchased out of the world and purchased into uh, the kingdom of heaven. Uh, and and uh, I now no longer make my own choices. Now I'm not talking about the Lord 
parts the, the, the skies in the morning and tells you to use the striped toothpaste or, you know, uh, that, and, and tie, your, you know, tie your shoes, you know, with this knot versus that knot. Uh, I'm, I'm, that's, that's silliness, right? A lot of people get silly about those things. Uh, in, in, uh, I'm talking about when, when the things that need to be decided, uh, Lord, what do you want me to do here? Uh, and sometimes when the Lord wants to intervene and say, hey, don't, don't say that, or hey, don't go there, or hey, don't buy that. Because sometimes, you know, for the most part, we've, we're intelligent human beings. Didn't he make us as intelligent human beings? We have a brain, right? We have the ability to, to think and to make decisions. And, you know, a lot of things, they don't matter, right? I'm going go, to go to the grocery store and pick up, you know, uh, you know, whatever you pick up at the grocery store. Stuff, right? Food and things. Uh, is the Lord intervening in those things? No, but he may along the way say, hey, you know, go this route instead of that route. He may choose to help you do that by uh, causing to avoid something that might happen. And if we're aware of his presence, you know, then, then he's able to speak to us in those moments, right? But if we, if we on a regular basis, like, Lord, leave me alone, uh, you, know, he, you know what he'll do? He'll leave you alone, right? Uh, and so I know the, uh, the story with, uh, uh, I don't know if you've ever heard the story with Jesse Duplantis when he was, uh, he was ministering one, one time and, and, and the Lord said, Lord pointed out, uh, I think it was like two couples in the church. He said, uh, uh, they're swapping wives, right? Uh, and, uh, uh, and they don't want to repent. So you, you, uh, you call them out. Well, Lord, I don't want to do that. Uh, well, you do it, you know. And so he did it. And, of course, that went over really well, I'm sure, right, in the church. Hey, you four right there, you all swapping wives, you know. You all need to repent. That's probably, you know, p- people got probably excited running around the church after that, you know. Now, it'd be really hard to recover from that, right, in the service. And so after the service, uh, uh, Jesse was upset. And he said, Lord, don't ever, uh, don't ever do that again. <laughs> you know, I mean, because we're all stupid every now and then, right? Uh, and, of course, he's telling a story. So, uh, so I'm not telling something he didn't tell. But uh, so, like, the next time he ministered, just nothing. Uh, now, I don't know how much, if you ever ministered before, but there's been times when I've ministered and it's pretty, he'll just leave. I've been in services where I'm ministering and people will be disrespectful to the Spirit of God. He'll leave. And, I'm, you know, one of these days I'm going to be bold enough when he leaves, I'm just going to go with him. Just going to walk out the door. Where did he go? I just, well, the Spirit of God left. I'm going to leave, you know. And then when, when, you're not, when the Spirit of God is not there, it's tough. If you're used to ministering with the Spirit of God, see, uh, 99% of the time when I'm ministering in the pulpit, the, the, the Spirit of God is there and I'm just, we're, we're just working together. He's just, you know, I'm just going with it, whatever he wants to say. I'm just going with whatever he wants to say. That should be a normal part of ministering, right? It's not unusual. It should be a normal part of ministering. But every now and then, somebody will be disrespectful and just, you know, uh, raise their hand and say, you know, right in the middle of a thing, and say, hey, what about Adam's belly button? Did he have one? What are you, t- what are you talking about? What, what's that got to do with anything, right? They're just, yeah, and, and the Spirit of God, would just, he'll just leave. Uh, and so uh, uh, Brother Jesse was ministering, and there was no Spirit of God there. Uh, and it's 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 just it's just tough plowing when you're ministering without the spirit of God, if you're used to that. Right. And so uh, after the service, he starts talking, Lord, what's up? I mean, we're out there. You know, you weren't you didn't show up. What's the deal? I, you know, I'm out there just all by myself. And he said, well, well you told me to leave you alone. Uh, and uh, and of course, then he knew he was busted. Right. And he said, then the Lord really got got uh, really direct with him. He said, don't you ever say that to me again. And Lord will be sometimes be really direct with you, right? If you if you're if you disrespect if you disrespect him, uh, and, and and you haven't hardened your heart, uh, 
he will, he, he will rebuke you sometimes very strongly. Now, sometimes we harden our hearts and, and, and there's nothing he can do about it until, until you repent, right? Uh, and so uh, know you not that you are the temple of God. Do you know that? You know, do, you, do you sense that? Do you sense that you are the carrier of the most powerful force in the whole universe? Everything we see was created by what lives on the inside of you, right? Uh, the, 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 the Father God designed the universe uh, the, the, uh, the Lord Jesus oversaw the creation, but it was the power of God, the Spirit of God, who actually created everything we see out of nothing. And He lives on the inside of you. You are the temple, the carrier of that power. That's the anointing of God that lives on the inside of you. And that's the awareness that the church needs to have to be successful in operating in this life. Amen? That's why we should never be afraid of, uh, of you know, people who act like they're smarter than the church, right? Oh, you church people, you just, you know, you need a crutch, you know, you just... That, that's okay for you. It's so condescending, right? That's okay for you because, you know, you need to clutch to your little, you know, your little religion, you know. And, and, uh, but if you were smart like me, you know, you wouldn't need that. It's like the dumbest thing, you know. When they stand before the Lord Jesus, we'll see how smart they really are, right? Uh, the Lord Jesus will not just ask him, you know, how does gravity work? They'll be like, I don't know, you know. Uh, and so uh, let's look at another scripture over there in, in 2 Corinthians. Um, And so, um, in 2 Corinthians, now, uh, you know, we could do a lot of meddling right here. So the, the, the intent of, of reading these verses is not to meddle so much, but uh, uh, it, it's uh, just to help us. Uh, but here he says in verse 16, he says, uh, or yeah, in verse 14, he says, Be not unequally yoked together with unbelievers, for what fellowship hath righteousness with unrighteousness? And what communion hath light with darkness? And what concord or harmony hath Christ with Belial? What part hath he, uh, what part hath he that believeth with an infidel or an unbeliever? And what agreement hath the temple of God with idols? For you are the temple of the living God. As God hath said, I will dwell in them and walk in them. And I will be their God and they shall be my people. Wherefore, come out from among them and be ye separate, said the Lord, and touch not the unclean thing, and, I'll, and I will receive you and will be a father unto you and you shall be my sons and daughters and saith the, uh, saith the Lord God Almighty. So, uh, you know, in these verses, the Lord is making a contrast between the church and the rest of the world. Uh, and, you know, sometimes in the church, we struggle with this because uh, uh, he says, be you separate. He come out from among, among them and be you separate, saith the Lord God Almighty. Uh, so is that a true statement? Well, it's a true statement. That's what he says. Sometimes we struggle in church about finding the balance of that because, uh, in fact, Paul in another uh, uh, writing says, well, you know, I said to be separate from the world, but I didn't mean like you can't talk to them because how else are you going to witness to them, right? So the, the balance is that we don't get involved with, with the whole world, that the world's not our best friend, right? Uh, and uh, finding that balance really is between you and the Lord. Finding out exactly what you do because, you know, uh, most people work at regular jobs and everybody at the job's not saved, right? Uh, what do you do? You only hire Christians, you know? Well, if, it, if, it's your, if it's your business, maybe you can do that. But if it's not your business, you know, if you're working for somebody else, you may not have that luxury, right? And that would be against the laws of the land. And if it's just for secular work, it doesn't really matter, right? And I've had people that were sinners work for me. They were pretty good employees, right? Uh, and so uh, I, I couldn't, I couldn't, constrict that only be a Christian. Now, if it's a church, right? Like here, if I hire somebody here at the church, I can pick and choose if they're Christians or not. Amen. Uh, but, 
you know, in the real world, we've got to work with people, right? We've got to be around people. And so, uh, but the, the thing is here, uh, if you start in verse 14, he says, be not unequally yoked. So there's a joining together that he's talking about. So, uh, you know, if your very best friend is somebody who's unsaved, that's going to be, that's going to be tough, right? Because the Lord says, don't be unequally yoked or joined together. So the question is, you know, uh, how close are you joined together then? Uh, and what fellowship hath righteousness with unrighteousness? And again, uh, does that mean that you never fellowship with, a, with an unrighteous person? Well, no, I mean, didn't Jesus, didn't, how many times did they fuss at Jesus because he was eating dinner with the sinners, right? So uh, the balance of that, there's really no law. I mean, the, the law is between you and the Lord Jesus and you and the Spirit of God about how close are these unsaved people in your life, right? Are they your best friends? Are they only the people you spend time with? Uh, because the, the purpose of spending time with sinners is to get them saved, right? Uh, and uh, hopefully they, they get uh, born again after that, right? Uh, so again, I, you know, I, I'm not going to lay down any laws where you can't have lunch, you know, okay, lunch, but not dinner, right? Uh, okay, only every, every other day, but not every single day. That, that's foolishness, right? Uh, the, the path for verses uh, 14 through 16, you're going to have to find this for yourself, right? There's no law. Uh, you're going to have to be led by the Spirit of God uh, uh, to do that because, uh, you know, for me, if I get around, uh, and sometimes it's even around Christians, if I get around certain people, after a while, I just don't feel clean. Uh, and, and, you know, maybe they're telling dirty jokes or, you know, sometimes uh, I get around unsaved people and they know that I'm a pastor. And they all straighten up. You ever seen that? You know, if you're a Christian, you get around unsaved people, they all straighten up. They quit cussing, you know, I quit spitting on the ground or something, you know, because you're there. Uh, and, and well, that's fine. I mean, I don't, I don't expect them to do that. But, you know, I'm, whatever, I'm, you know, I'm not going to make a big deal out of it because they, they start doing that. But uh, sometimes they don't do that. And sometimes they just act like the world and they, they keep doing worldly things and start talking about things that you can't talk about and doing things that you can't do or, you know, sometimes you kind of feel unclean being around that. And, you know, it's those, it's those situations where you have to decide, okay, this is a situation I can't be involved with, right? I, or a circumstance I can't be involved in. I have seen that many times even in the church. You ever been around Christians who, I've been around Christians who would tell dirty jokes, right? Uh, and, uh, you know, and I'm not talking about, you know, the pig fell in the mud kind of dirty jokes. You know, I'm talking about, you know, jokes that you don't, don't tell your mom. Uh, and so I'd have to leave. Sorry, I got to go somewhere else, you know, and they'd get mad at me, act like I was, oh, you're so self-righteous, you know, and what what communion hath righteousness with unrighteousness, right? What fellowship hath righteousness? And and even in the church, there's unrighteousness in a church. Amen. And, and unrighteousness in a church is is really bad. Amen. So, again, what's the rule? Well, there's no rule. There's, I can't make a law and say, well, this is right here. You know, you can tell a joke like this, but you can't tell a joke like that. You all know when it when it when it crosses the line. Amen. Uh, but. The, the whole point of this is uh, these verses are helpful if you want to learn how to work with the Spirit of God, then you've got to be aware of, of what environment am I living around? What, what uh, circumstances am I allowing myself to be involved with every day? Who's the closest people in my life? Uh, what things do I enjoy being around? You know, if you enjoy, if you enjoy being around all the people cussing and, and telling dirty jokes, you know, you might want to question that. Amen. Uh, again. Uh, I'm not I'm not your Holy Ghost and I'm not going to uh, lord it over your life about what you can do, what you can't do, because there's no right or wrong in that. You've got to find that path. But he does make a contrast between believers and unbelievers, righteousness and unrighteousness, light and darkness, Christ and Belial, believers and infidels, temple of God and idols. Amen. So uh, uh, <clears throat> in, in all of these things, then 
if you want to stay in uh, the presence of the Spirit of God, stay in a situation where the Spirit of God, that you can work with Him, then this is an area that you may have to, for a lot of Christians, not even a problem. But some Christians, you know, they get saved and they're barely saved, right? I mean, they'll go to heaven, but they're barely saved. And, and they kind of fall back into uh, hanging out with people that they ought to hang out with. You know, I, I, I used to do jail ministry for many years. Uh, and, uh, and I would always encourage the folks. I said, look, when you get out of jail, number one thing, uh, get new friends. Number one thing, get all brand new friends. Get rid of all the friends you had. Get all brand new friends. Take them out of your phone. Don't answer any calls. Don't go back with them because uh, most of them were there because of peer pressure, right? Hey, you do that. You know, let's go steal that. Let's go do this and go do that, right? Uh, in fact, you know, Brother Randy, the other story he was telling, I was watching the other day, he was talking about how uh, when the Lord finally uh, got a hold of him, he was in a van with two other guys on their way to go commit an armed robbery. Well, that's the wrong friends, right? That's the wrong friends. And right in the middle of that, you know, uh, the Spirit of God came on him. Now, he wasn't saved at the time, but the Spirit of God came on him. He said, Lord, I'll do whatever you want me to do. He started just crying and weeping in the van, right? As they're on the way to do, a, do a, a, an armed robbery. And he said, the guy, he stopped the van. The guys jumped out of the van. He, he said, I never saw those guys again. Uh, well, why is that? Because righteousness has no fellowship with unrighteousness. Amen. Uh, and so, uh, uh, you know, a lot of times I hear people justify these things. Now, look. Would the Lord ever have you talk to a sinner? Sure he would. I mean, obviously we have to talk to sinners, right? If we're going to get them saved. Uh, but a lot of times people will justify things. That, and uh, you can always tell when they're living by excuse. Well, I just needed a friend. But if they're not a Christian friend, you know, they're, they're not going to get you to where you need to be. Amen. Again, I can't. It's not my job to, for you to submit your list of friends to me at all. That's not my job. I don't want that job. Uh, you've got to find that path for yourself. But I have seen a lot of times where people will justify uh, things and they know it's wrong, but they'll make an excuse anyway. Well, you know, I've known him for a long time. Well, OK, fine. You know, again, is that a, is that an automatic? No, uh, no, none of my business. But uh, be careful about justifying being involved in a situation that you ought not, you ought not be involved with. Right. Uh, you know, I, I remember uh, uh, you know, in First Corinthians fifteen thirty three, it says uh, the New American Standard Version says that bad company corrupts good morals, right? Uh, and so, is that a true statement? Yes. Well, I, mean, I didn't write it. It's a true statement, right? Bad company corrupts good morals. So, if you hang around bad company all the time, what's going to happen? Corrupt. You're going to be corrupted, right? I mean, you go to you, you go to the Old Testament. I know they weren't saved, but you know, you know, you think uh, you think that uh, if you were wise, you wouldn't do that, right? Well, who was the wisest man in the Old Testament? Solomon, Solomon right? Wasn't he the wisest guy ever was? Did he end up staying with the Lord all of his life? No. Why did he backslide? He hung around. Well, in that case, it was women, right? He had all those concubines and, you know, uh, well, either 700 wives, 300 concubines or the other way around, you know. I mean, you've got to be pretty wise to, to maintain all those birthdays, right? That's a lot of birthdays. You know, that's, that's a thousand birthdays. That's like three birthdays every day. I mean, you know, whose birthday is it today, right? I mean, uh, they didn't have an iPad back then, so I don't know how you track it. But anyway, so... Uh, but see, he thought he was so wise that I, I could handle it. How well did it work out for him? Backslid, you know, got out of the will of God, you know, lost everything. Uh, the whole kingdom was lost because of Solomon, right? The wisest man ever. So don't think that you're wise, that why I could handle it. You, you can't handle it. No, there's no, you know, that, that, that's, the, that's the problem. But so 
so where does that line, where do where you draw the line? Well, you draw the line where the Spirit of God tells you to draw the line. The Spirit of God says, hey, the, the, right there, you've got to walk away. Then you, what do you do? You walk away. The Spirit, says, the Spirit of God says, hey, you go talk to him, go to lunch with him. Then what do you do? You go talk to him, you go to lunch with him. So, you, so if you're willing to yield to the Spirit of God, he'll always show you where the line's at, right? But see, bad company corrupts good morals. Uh, and and uh, I remember years ago, there was a fellow that, uh, that I knew him, a good Christian, you know, <clears throat> But they started hanging out with another Christian. Well, the other Christian they were hanging out was somebody that we knew lied all the time, you know, cheated all the time, you know, just in business dealings and things, you know, just and gossiped all the time, talked about people all the time. You know, that's not somebody I want to hang around with. Somebody gossips all the time, you know, and, and lies, tells dirty jokes all the time. I'm just not, I just, you know, I'm just not interested in being around that kind of person. I'm not better than them. It just... I got, no, I got no fellowship with, with uh, unrighteousness. It doesn't matter if it's in the church or out of the church. I got no fellowship with that. Uh, now, look, I'm not, I'm not sitting around judging everybody. Oh, you know, what are you saying? What are you talking about? Now? It's not a list. It's just, you know, when I get around somebody and I feel dirty after a while, it's like I got to go home and take a shower because, you know, I hung around that person too long. Then that, that, we can't sustain that, right? That can't be sustained. So, uh, but I remember making a note that, when this person became best friends, right, close friends, like every day, they spent every day together, just about. And I just made a note to myself, this is going to be a problem. Because before this person knew the Lord, loved the Lord. Now, they were both Christians. Uh, but I didn't write 1 Corinthians 15, 33. I didn't write bad company corrupts good morals. Uh, the Lord wrote that. And, and you know, uh, why do you think the Lord wrote that? Because Christians are hanging around bad company, right? No need to write about something that's not happening. So he wrote that because Christians are hanging around bad company. Amen. Uh, and so what's the list? There's no list. None of my business. Right. Uh, make sure that, you know, well, you know, pastor said I can't hang around. I didn't say you can hang around no, nothing or nobody. That's between you and the spirit of God, because he knows. Right. He knows because sometimes you've got to help people and it takes a long time to help people. Right. Sometimes you've got to help people that are a mess uh, and, and it takes a long time to help them. No, no problem with that. Right. If the Lord if the Lord's having you dealing with that, if the Lord's got you. Uh, helping somebody for a long period of time, and maybe they're not perfect, maybe they got a lot of problems, praise God. You know, we need to be long-suffering, amen? We need to walk in love. I'm talking about where, uh, where, where you know that it's, it's wrong and it's bad company, uh, and you justify it. You see, what happened, ended up, uh, this person lost everything, ended up dying early. Uh, and, and I remember I talked to them just before they died. I said, you know, why, why'd you, why were you friends with that person? Uh, you know, I said, you and I could have been friends, and, we, and I tried to be your friend. You wouldn't let me. He said, I just wanted a friend. I said, that's not true. I said, I wanted to be your friend. You wouldn't even let me be your friend. Wouldn't go to lunch with me. Wouldn't, you know, spend time with me. Uh, and you wanted this guy over here. You knew it had all these problems. But because he thought it was funny, right, hanging out with that. And again, uh, uh, am I the judge of who you can hang out with? Not, not my job. Not my job. Because there'll be plenty of times when, when, when you'll hang out with somebody and some self-righteous Christian, I can't believe you're hanging out with that person over there, you know. None of my business, right? Dr. Dufresne used to get in a lot of trouble because ministers would get in trouble that get caught doing something, you know, adultery or stealing or whatever. And he'd say, hey, you come, come live with me for a month. Just come stay at my house. And other ministers would be like, I can't believe you did that. Well, you know, if you're trying to help somebody... Didn't, for, didn't Galatians 6, 1 says you which are spiritual, what? Restore? Well, how are you going to restore them if you don't spend time with them, right? So again, 
no, 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 there's no law here because we're in the New Testament. You can't make a law that unless they're perfect, I can't ever spend any time with them. That would be a foolish law. Uh, the, the deal is you be led by the Spirit of God. If, the, if you get around them and they have no interest in, in changing and no interest in getting better, no interest in letting you help them, uh, and, and their hearts are fixed, you know, that may be something that, that you, can't, you can't move on from. Um, it may be something that, that you can't continue with. Um, because the goal is uh, you want the Spirit of God in you to always be willing to help you in whatever you do. But see, if you're in, uh, if you're in this uh, 2 Corinthians 6.14 situation where uh, he gave the whole list again, right? Uh, if you're uh, yoked together with unbelievers, if you're uh, having fellowship with unrighteousness, if you're having communion with darkness, if you're having conco- uh, concord with Belial, uh, if, uh, if you have a part with an infidel, uh, if you're in agreement with idols, see, if, if you're doing any of those things, uh, then the Spirit of God would tell you, hey, you need to make some adjustments here. And if you'll just make an adjustment, it'll be fine, right? The problem is when we start justifying, well, I need that. I have to have this person in my life. Uh, then what you're saying is, Spirit of God, don't ever talk to me about this. Mm-hmm. Now you're in conflict with the Spirit of God, right? And that's the whole point of, of this is not so much to harp on, you know, make sure you submit your list of friends to, to the pastor, which is absurd, but uh, you know, there used to be churches like that. You know, you got to submit everything to the pastor, you know, because I run your life and I don't run your life. Not my job. Don't want that job. Right. But the, the, the concern here in in Second uh, Corinthians six is if you live this way and if the spirit of God tells you to walk away and you don't see now you've constrained the ministry of the spirit of God in your life. And now your ability to be a, an actual help to people is going to be constrained because you're not allowing the Spirit of God to move into you uh, because you, I want this friend, right? And look, you know, the only friend I've got that lasts forever is the Lord Jesus. Uh, everything else, you know, is, is temporal. Now, I'll, I'll, I'll be your best friend you ever had. But if you walk away from the Lord and, and, and don't want any help, I'm, I'm on my way to heaven, right? I'm still good, amen? And I've had dear friends, people that we've known for decades, walk out of our life, get mad at us, walk away from me. I can't change it. I hate it for them because now, now there's no fellowship there. I mean, we're, we'll see each other in heaven. They may be surprised that I get there, but, you know, we'll see each other in heaven. Uh, and, and, you know, I'm, I'm not mad at them. won't be mad at them when I see them in heaven. Be glad to see them. Amen. Uh, and so, so I just want, I want, you know, in those things, you know, don't take this as being a heavy-handed, well, pastor said I can't have friends with anybody. I'm not saying anything. All I'm saying is you be aware of what the Spirit of God tells you. Because didn't he write these things? I didn't write them. He wrote these things, right? So if the Spirit of God wrote these things for our benefit, then, then he's concerned that if we're not careful, we will allow people into our lives that are not going to be good for us, right? That are not going to help us. Uh, and so just be aware that that's a possibility, right? Uh, and you don't have to be suspicious of people. It's just you always be sensitive to the Spirit of God because what you want is the maximum amount of the Spirit of God in you so that you be a, 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 as great a blessing to the earth as you possibly can be. Uh, and, and so that's really all, all I wanted to, to, to cover in those things. But uh, we are the temple of the living God. Carriers are the most powerful force in all of the universe. Everywhere you go, greater is he that's in you than he that's in the world. The hope of glory lives on the inside of you. Amen. Uh, and, and if you'll think that way, see, then, then when you get around a, situ- a situation that might uh, fit in line of Second Corinthians chapter six, 
Then the Spirit of God will say, hey, this fellowship right here, uh, we, you need to make some adjustments. Be like, yes, sir, I'd be glad to do that, right? And see, that's the correct response, right? Uh, if the wrong response is, well, I just wanted a friend, you know, and they're the only friend I've got. Well, that ain't so, you know. Uh, there's lots of people that can be friends, amen? Uh, and so, because uh, I want, my, my goal and desire is, you know, I am not a self-righteous person. I don't run around, you know. Uh, I, I mean, I'll tell you this, we'll go, but uh, uh, in fact, we were at church one, t- one time, and, and we were just talking to people at church, uh, and they said, you know, we were at the restaurant the other day, uh, and, and, and this homosexual couple came in holding hands, made me sick. I, and they just kept going on and on about, you know, seeing these people sinning, you know, holding hands and snuggling against each other. Just, and they just kept going on, just, just, just running these people down, you know. And the, the more they talked, the more my heart was grieved because I'm thinking, that's the very people you're called to minister to is the world, right? Sinners. You're not called to minister salvation to the church. We're already saved. Why would you be upset? I mean, the Bible didn't say that for God to love the whole good world, the whole world that was only doing good sins, that he sent them, right? Is that what he said? He said he loved the whole world. Well, who would that include? All the bad sinners, right? You know, you should never be just grossed out because of somebody's sin and and never get this attitude of, I can't believe they're doing that. Well, they're sinners. What do you think they're going to do? Our attitude should be compassion. Well, Lord, you know, that's not going to be good for them. And it's not going to be good for them. We're not approving sin. We're not saying sin's okay. Obviously, it's not. And it's never going to work out good for them. But, but why, why, does, why does somebody's sin make us, uh, uh, why is it distasteful to us in that, in that regard? That, you know, ooh, I, it's called self-righteousness. You think your righteousness is better than, than their righteousness. But we don't have any righteousness in ourselves, do we? We were made righteous by the Lord's work, not because of our good works, not because of our lack of sin. We're not righteous because of our lack of sin. We're righteous because a great price was paid for us. Amen. Amen. So just be careful, you know, that, uh, uh, you know, you don't use your own self-righteousness as the, as the standard, right? Well, I'm more righteous than them, so I'm not going to hang around them. <laughs> That's not going to work out well for you. Amen. Uh, and so that makes sense. Uh, that balance, you have to find that balance for yourself, right? That, that balance that comes between you and the Lord Jesus and the Spirit of God and, uh, just make sure that you don't justify it, right? Well, I have to do it. As soon as you say that, the Spirit of God's like, well, then there's nothing for me to say. Amen? Uh, and so let's pray and thank the Lord for his word today. So, Father, we thank you for the word of God. And, Father, we thank you that greater is he that lives in us than he that lives in the world. Everywhere we go, Father, we are victors. Everywhere we go, Father, we carry power and success, Father, with us. Everywhere we go, the great power of the universe that created everything that we see, every atom and every single blade of grass and star in the sky father you created all of it and you and that power lives on the inside of me father and lord if i'll be aware of that if i will allow you to speak to me father and direct me and keep me in the path that that allows that spirit of god to stay strong in me father then i will be a blessing to the earth and i will advance your kingdom and people will be saved and come to the knowledge of, of the good word of god because of that spirit that lives on the inside of me so father we are partners together We work together, Father. And as I walk in this earth and among sinners, Father, and among the saints, you're with me to lead me and guide me into all truth, Father, to show me uh, where the boundaries are in my life. And so, Father, as you show me those things, I will yield to those boundaries. I will stop going where you tell me to stop going.
I will start saying what you tell me to start saying, Father. I will yield and, and learn to be uh, partners with you, Father. And so we thank you for that, Father. And we give you the praise and the honor for it, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, praise God. Well, let's get ready to receive this morning's tithes and offerings. And um, uh, we just got two Sundays left for the whole year, right? We got uh, this Sunday and then, um, well, that, uh, Christmas is two weeks from today, right? So we, uh, we got two more Sundays after this. And then, um, uh, then it's the new year, right? So uh, were you pointing at something, Jared? Okay. He, uh, Jared wanted my attention there or not. So um, when does school get out, by the way? School out yet? Thursday? Okay. Well, Bryan College is out already, so they're out for like what next six months or so. They get a, they get a, they get out like a whole like a whole month for uh, college there. So, all right. Well, uh, let's pray and we'll thank the Lord for the opportunity to give. So, Father, we thank you for the opportunity to give into your kingdom. And Father, we thank you that you've blessed us with natural things. And so, Father, you said in your word that it's a small thing, Father, for us to bless you with the, the things that you've given to us uh, because of the spiritual things that you provided for us. And so with honor and respect, Father, we, we give into your kingdom uh, as you direct us. And we thank you, Father, that according to your word, that as we give, that with good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, shall men give to our bosom. And we thank you for that, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, all right. Well, don't forget, uh, uh, come ahead, Mr. Jared. We have a healing school this afternoon at 3 o'clock. And, um, um, and then next... Uh, Sunday will be our church meal. Uh, no healing school uh, next Sunday. And um, uh, sign up on the, on the back uh, list there. And uh, who's making our dessert for next Sunday? Do we know? Who wants to make a dessert for the, uh, for the fire department? So um, anyway, you want to do that? All right. So Chris is going to do that there. So uh, we just bring a, a dessert for the fire department over there. And just to be a blessing to them. So... Um, all right, praise God. We'll be blessed. Have a wonderful week in the Lord, and, and we'll see you at healing school.